Welcome to Community Matters. I'm Richard Pyatt. You hear us on Saturday mornings on 95.3 WBCK and anytime at BattleCreekPodcast.com. The program is powered by Lakeview Ford Lincoln, downtown Battle Creek. We focus on Battle Creek and the surrounding area as we talk with newsmakers and others who are making things happen and are keeping us up to date on what's happening. Today, our guest is the city manager in Battle Creek, Rebecca Flurry. Good morning. Good morning, Richard. Thanks so much for having me. Well, thank you. How long have you been city manager now? Five years longer? Eight years. Eight. I had my eight-year anniversary on October 1st. Oh, my goodness. Time does fly, doesn't it? It does so fly. I tell people, if I think it's five years, it's probably longer. <laughs> and there's a good example of that. What is the trajectory and the progress that you've seen in those eight years? Great question. It's a very different story because you have to insert a global pandemic right in the middle of the eight right. years. Yeah. And so I would say, you know, I came in in a tough economic climate in the city of Battle Creek. You know, as an older urban core community, there are 13 of us in the state of Michigan and we're all feeling, you know, some of that older urban core community experience aging infrastructure, stagnant and sometimes declining population, unsure how our three main sources of revenues are going to come in each year um, because of state and local conditions. I guess I would characterize it as evolving and it's been evolving since I started eight years ago. Mm -hmm. But again, I would say Battle Creek is such a resilient community and I credit the people for that because, you know, while everybody faced the economic crunch in 2008. Um, and we've seen revenues decline without, you know, growing population in the state of Michigan, as well as in the Battle Creek community. The people are resilient and they continue to lift up their community, the good and the bad. And I think certainly our elected officials recognize that and they challenge uh, me, my administration and my team to be able to react to the changing circumstances in our community. But also they're looking for us to achieve some sustainability. And that has been really hard, I would mm -hmm. say, in the years leading up to the pandemic. So pause that because we had some really big challenges at the state level. You know, as you know, as local government, we have very few ways to increase our revenue because of the way that Michigan handles their municipal finance. Mm -hmm. I think it's old and outdated and it needs some help going forward, but that is a Lansing matter. So all we can do is advocate and then we have to react to changing, you know, changing revenues from the state level. So for Battle Creek, our three main sources of funding are state shared revenue, property tax, and income tax. So anytime either one of those three legs of our fiscal stool um, is impacted from a negative way, it impacts our ability to um, provide services as a full service community. This community expects you turn on your faucet, water comes out, clean, safe drinking water comes out. You call 911. They want the police and fire there, um, you know, and they want streets, sidewalks, roads that are easily traversable, as well as recreation programs, public transit, support for housing and a lot of other things. So, we, you know, I think what we've been, it felt like more of a reactionary mode. Pandemic hits and we have the ability to have some one time funds to help us, I would say, level our fiscal sustainability playing field. Are there things innovative cities are doing to bolster that three-legged stool? 
That's tough because um, we have some public acts that really do prohibit us from being really innovative. Um, Proposal A and Headley certainly Mm -hmm. do impact us from a property tax standpoint. Um, And, you know, we are not in a climate where, um, you know, we should be considering raising taxes if there's anything we can do to avoid that. Um, But that's always a pretty good discussion we have during our budget time. But I think the city embarked on a new way of thinking about budgets. So when you talk about innovative ways, in 2015, we began the priority-based budgeting process. It's a different way to look at our budget, focusing on those services that are most important to our residents. So we actually went out and asked our residents to tell us, what are those services that are most important to you? The elected body at that particular time took a look at that and and set our community results, or you probably know them as strategic priorities. And so for us, you know, we went to the community, we went to our own staff and went to our elected officials about setting those community results. And then we score all of our programs, projects, services against those results, Mm. and we track it financially. So, So we can come back to our community and our elected officials to say, Based on what you told us as our highest priority, we need to be able to measure and prove and be transparent about our resources and that they are going to those priority services. So I think that really changed the way we talk about budget. It isn't a, okay, it's a 10% cut across the board. Mm -hmm. It isn't a zero-based budget. It is constantly looking to our elected officials as our policymakers and our residents to help us prioritize the services that they think are most important. And then we align our resources, both human and financial, to them. So when you perform that analysis, does it come out in a way that you say, yeah, okay, you know, that that's what I expected? Or yes, that's how we viewed the priorities ourselves. They They lined up. Is that how you saw it? I would say for the most part, yes, but it, it's very different. And it, when I, I use the word prioritized, um, we really use quartiles. So all of our programs and services end up in one of four quartiles. And I think the competitive nature in us would automatically say, I want everything in the first quartile. That means I'm <laughs> going to get funding and things like that. But that's not the way um, priority-based budgeting is set up. It's set up so that we can analyze the services and what the cost for those services are in relation to what the community thinks is most important. And you're right, probably things that we thought would score relatively high did score high. Police, fire, public transportation, recreation, you know, those types of things, streets, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, there are other things that we are mandated to do, like elections. That's probably not going to be something that's going to score really, really high, but it is something that we are mandated to do. So it's it's making sure that we are being informative as to, okay, maybe elections showed up in quartile number four, but that doesn't mean we stop doing them. Um, it could mean that we do them differently. Since that expenditure is a mandatory thing, do we do it differently? Less precincts to save resources, all those discussions we need to have. And it's a better discussion that way than, hey, we've got to cut 15% out of the clerk's budget. We're thinking differently about how we allocate our resources. 
So it isn't, you know, just because police and fire score the highest that that automatically is going to get all of our funds. It's how we balance to all of the services that we provide in those quartiles. Yeah. So I suppose you could say that after you (laughs) figure out those results, it doesn't mean, okay, we got it. It's easy. You still have a fair amount of analysis to do. And that election example is a great example of that. People might not think it's important, but it has to be done anyway. And so yes. then you have to analyze all of that and still figure out how you're going to fit this budget into that certain sized shoe. Right. And sometimes it feels like we're trying to put a square peg in a round hole, yeah. um, depending on you know what resources are available in every given budget year. Um, but as you know, things change. And as I talked about, you know, the in 2015, when we established those community results, we just redid those five years later. Um, well, six years later, we went back to the community and our elected officials um, almost two years ago to make sure are those community results still relevant for Battle Creek in 2022, mm-hmm. 2021. And as you can imagine, there were some changes, different elected body, global pandemic, one-time fund. What are the priorities as this commission sets our policy and as my administration must carry those out? We want to know. And so we went back through uh, revising the committee results. All of the programs and services were rescored against that. And we're using that to make decisions going forward. And actually, the commission took it one step forward and said, okay, city manager, we do your evaluation every two years. We're going to align an action plan to those strategic priorities. And that's how we're going to monitor the progress towards them. Regardless of the resources available, that's how we're going to monitor. Well, it seems to make sense, I suppose. If if we say these are the priorities, then the movement or non-movement on those is likely to come back and and show itself somehow in in the post-analysis, I suppose. That, you know, that makes a lot of sense. You made a point about how the the elected body changes. We certainly see that at the national level, right? I mean, elected bodies change uh, and then priorities tend to change. Yes. Boy, at this level, I would presume that's more zoomed in, isn't it? Man. Uh, <laughs> yeah, if, it can be. A priority to, uh, I don't know, I'm throwing out an example, shore up the uh, law enforcement or something might change when an elected body changes. Uh, there might be an overall sense that that's okay and there's a different priority. So that means you have to go back and reanalyze all of this again. Mm-hmm. You're exactly right. Um, as elected bodies change, we do have to re we have to revisit the strategic priorities because that may change a little bit. And you know, mm-hmm. in 2020, we got five new commissioners and had the most diverse commission that we've had, I think, ever. Mm-hmm. Um, but also we brought in five new commissioners, a new commission for the city of Battle Creek during a global pandemic. And they didn't even meet in person for the first year of their two-year term. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that really, I think, made it difficult for them to work together as a body on some of these larger strategic objectives because we were being so reactionary to a global pandemic. They all did a great job. And then when we got to meet in person, I think they honed that in a little more because that was right at the time we were re-evaluating our community results and, and those related definitions as defined by our community. So you're right that you know the priorities shift a little bit, but we're always going to look at the, you know, the economy, safe neighborhoods, um, community vitality, some of those big ones, public safety, all of those things don't really change. But how we kind of address it 
could change with the elected body and or what we're seeing locally. Because you're right, they're the policymakers, they're the voice of their constituents and help set that work in motion. And that's kind of where we're at right now. But at the first of the year, we'll work with them about, does this make sense? Do you have questions? Are we headed in that right direction? And then we'll set new two-year priorities then about a year from now. Have you ever seen a priority shift uh, so significant that you've changed directions entirely somewhere in this eight-year stretch that you've been here? I think probably the biggest shift I've seen is because of the pandemic. First of all, everything was shut down. And it's very difficult when everything shuts down around you, but we can't shut down. Police still have to respond. Fire still has to respond. There's a public transportation need for those who still need to get out and get to places, medical appointments, and any employment that hasn't closed because of the pandemic. So, um, you know, I think that was a huge shift for us, thinking differently about how we provide these services in a virtual environment. I would have told you when I came into government in 2000, it could never be done. I mean, it was just seemed so hands-on, um, but we had to learn to adapt and it pushed us to one, use technology differently to provide services to understand, you know, we can provide some things virtually if that makes it easier for our residents to connect with their city government. Um, and so that shift from everything being in person and so f- full of hands on paper and documents made that was probably the biggest and quickest shift Hmm. we had to make. I think the other thing we're having to address is everybody was realizing that people are going to work differently. You know, I think the hybrid or the virtual work schedules aren't going away. And so how are we going to be able to adapt when our downtown does not have 2000 people there Monday through Friday who are working? We'll be lucky if we have 100 or 200 people right now as businesses continue to use hybrid schedules or entirely virtual schedules. So that will be a shift for us. And we're going to need some help at the state level if we need to reimagine these office spaces as something different. Some of the things that we have in place at the local and state levels are going to be reevaluated for us to convert to things, you know, like additional housing or more around a placemaking lens and getting more people down here that aren't regularly here Monday through Friday. How do you do that? You get Mm -hmm. more people living downtown and trying to bring more residential units online, not only in the downtown, but a variety of housing throughout the community. And as we think about changes, housing is big on the top. It's top on our list. Well, it's interesting you say that. First of all, I have to tell you, I was chatting with Mayor Benke and we were talking about you for a moment and he said, she's on virtual calls from morning till night. (laughs) So that underscores the point you're making about how work has changed, right? Uh, One of the other things he and I talked about was uh, the notion of housing and what he perceived to be a priority coming in the next commission about bolstering the housing stock that we have available. Uh, I had another conversation. It might've been with Joe Soborowski about uh, just generally budgets and money and so on. And the notion was, was made that even though there isn't enough housing stock in Battle Creek, you know, costs have gone up that so have home values. So at least maybe there's a little offset there in the three-legged stool to, to try and, and balance that out. So just a few things that you sparked in saying that. Yeah. You talked about uh, the difficulties of pivoting in a shutdown situation like the pandemic brought. Were city leaders in Michigan 
interacting with each other about how they were handling this? Did you have conversations with other folks, your counterparts in other cities? Oh, most definitely. Not only in Michigan, but nationally. Um, And I know that our elected officials were doing the same um, because while we experienced, we all experienced the pandemic and shutdowns, um, it's unique to our each individual community. Um, And how do we, while we have similarities, you know, using technology and, and I will tell you, we got some big help from Oakland County as we try to take more payments and things over the phone, we can enter into like, we can enter into joint contracts to use a a technology or a tool that they have, and they're making it available to other governments. So Uh I think we found more intergovernmental cooperation, or at least additional discussions about ways that we can provide these services virtually. Uh, But you know, every elected body also had to, to decide for themselves, how do we have these public meetings and continue to lift up our commitment to transparency and accessibility um, when we had to close our buildings. And so, you know, that, that, that continues even now that we're not in a shutdown. We continue to live stream all of our public meetings and they're recorded for viewing later because what I think myself, my colleagues at the local and state level learned is we were getting more engagement when we were virtual because everybody's schedule is busy. They, they don't have time between work and sports schedules and all kinds of things to go down to a public building and, and sit for a meeting. It might be easier for you to turn it on virtually and listen to it while you're multitasking or, hey, you know what? I couldn't get there during that time, but I'm going to go back and watch the recording. We've seen a lot of value in that. And so we continue to grab data about, does that still make sense? Um, Because from a technology um, standpoint, it's difficult to equip our rooms to be able to hold virtual meetings. Mm -hmm. City Hall, which is what you see behind me, is 113 years old. It wasn't really thought about a a high-tech building when they built it 113 years ago or, or around that. And so, you know, we've had some challenges in that area. There's where American... um Rescue Plan Act funds helped in updating some of that technology. You know, those dollars at the state and federal level were to help us create our new norm going forward from the pandemic and help us try to get out of some a fiscal slump that the pandemic did did create with some one time funds. And, you know, I can certainly talk about the ARPA process later, but um, uh, yeah, we are. I mean, I I, I would say we're still working through that. Mm hmm. Yeah, well, I guess a lot of us in a lot of different sectors have looked back on that period and and had similar realizations that, what is that they say, uh, necessity is the mother of invention. We were forced to reimagine what we were doing uh, on, in many sectors, yeah. and uh, what the heck, we figured out that some of the things we were forced to figure out actually were pretty good. It showed our gaps too, Richard, you know, the the Uh pandemic as hard as it was, and you know, the loss of life was great and trying to connect people with the necessary health, you know, health appointments and needs and vaccinations and education and all of that. um, It did, it, it showed our gaps and our weaknesses, our blemishes came to the surface, but it also allowed us to address them more quickly than we would have without the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, we were, we were talking about housing. People are using their homes very differently. They're using them as their place of work. And so how do we adapt our housing units available to be able to meet that need and the whole connectivity for all and the equitability of available high-speed internet, broadband, et cetera, so that people working from home or kids at home doing school 
have the same connectivity everywhere in our community and not just in certain places. Yeah, a whole other batch of questions to be addressed. So as we look forward now, we're chatting in the beginning of November. There's going to be some changes at the commission and, uh, and you look on to 2023. What's your view of the next year as you look forward? Yeah, well, I think it's probably similar than this time last year, too, is we want to make sure we're on a sustainable fiscal path. Um, you know, I've been really outspoken about these one-time dollars are are fabulous, but we don't want to use it to create a general fund budget that we can't support beyond those one-time dollars. So mm. fiscal sustainability will always be kind of a priority um, uh, for me and I know for the city commission too. Um, I think the culture of vitality. And when I say that, I, I'm meaning things like housing, how people work and where, um, we've got a river restoration project that I can talk about more and community engagement. I, I see us focusing on those elements of culture vitality and then, um, it's public safety. And I, I don't mean that as a model. I mean, police, fire and EMS services, We are in the middle of a study right now to look at how we provide those services because our calls for service in Battle Creek have changed. So it's time for us to look at the way we way we respond to calls at the police level, at the fire level and at the EMS ambulance paramedic first responder um, avenue and make sure it still makes sense for Battle Creek because we're, you know, 77 percent of the fire calls are medical. We're getting statistics now from the police department that, you know, near near 40% of their calls are mental health related, not law enforcement related. And the EMS um, sector has such a problem with staffing. They cannot meet the needs of the community because they're so short staffed and constantly running with fewer people. So that impacts their ability to get to calls and get people to where they're needed to go. And, and a worse call that nobody wants to make, a 911 call. Right. Um, and so we're looking at those models of service delivery right now. So for me, those three things, housing, our public safety, and our um, culture of vitality are going to be the focus points going forward with this new commission. We'll stay in touch, certainly, and uh, come back to you on Community Matters for updates as we go forward. Thank you. That would be great. Thank you, Richard. City Manager Rebecca Flurry on Community Matters.